Welcome to The Breadwinners, the podcast about the never-ending hustle and its impact on all aspects of our lives. From our financial life, to our relationships, to our kids, to our health, we're interested in what it takes to keep everything going. This podcast is about women, working, money, and family, and in every episode, we consider the research and share our takes on what we learn every day about breadwinning. I'm Jennifer Owens, and I write about working, wellness, and women, and founded the Working Mother Research Institute. And most days, I'm joined by my co-host, Raquel Ellison. But on this special episode of The Breadwinners, I'm joined by Stacey Thilo, CEO of APRE, the online job site focused on getting more than 3 million women with college degrees back to work, and the co-author of Your Turn, Careers, Kids, and Comebacks, A Working Mother's Guide. Welcome, Stacey. Hi, Jennifer. Thank you so much. I'm I'm so delighted to be talking to you and just in preparation about this and talking to you for a few minutes um, before getting going. I've just been thinking about how long we've known each other now and dating back to your working mother days. And, right? Uh, we blinked and it's like, it's been years. I know. Absolutely. <laughs> and you've just been doing so much good work in this direction for so many years and I'm just, I'm, I'm oh. thrilled to have the opportunity to know you in all of these different phases. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, you know, uh, and right back at you because that's what we're going to talk about today is the work that you're doing. Um, I always say that we always like to start off with a stat and that stat of the 3 million women trying to re-enter the workforce, just sitting on all that potential talent. And so, what can you tell me about these women and what can you tell me about what Opre does for them? Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's, it's a staggering number when you, when you uh, think about it and we know you and I both know as working moms ourselves, um, what it's like to have the demands of family and the demands of a high pressure position. And so what you find is that um, a lot of women through the years have just sometimes made decisions for themselves because they felt like it's um, it was a time in their lives where they wanted to turn and focus more on their families and had some of the, um, you know, financial privilege of yeah. being able to do that. And then in some cases we found that women did the calculation and felt like they weren't making yes. money to really compete with the childcare costs. And there's a whole bunch of different, um, you know, things that we could discuss yeah. That level. There's nothing more depressing when you realize you're in like, you know, 90% of your salary is going to the daycare center. That is, yeah. that is a tough moment. <laughs> it is a tough moment. I mean, one thing that I've learned along this journey, and I, I, I spoke with Far- Farnoosh um, Tarubi, you may know her yeah. podcast as well. And I mean, one of the th- points that she makes, and this is one of the things that I try to tell women now is they sort of get ahead of these decisions, which is what we do a lot with our book, Your Turn. Um, getting ahead of those decisions, one of the things that Farnoosh really makes the point about is that um, you're, it's kind of unfinished math if you look at those childcare costs, right? Because they they can be um, they can be relatively short lived. Although we were just talking about how we <laughs> <laughs> oh. actually do caregiving, so there yes. are to look at that uh, information. <clears throat> Excuse me, but um, that being said you know, you really can do the math and figure out, um, that it costs a lot to provide, um, yeah. 
Yeah. It is a forward investment. I, that's what we used to always talk about working mother that, you know, you don't think of your, you could, you could be making money when you're in college. You know, you could, you could find something and be, you know, but you are making an investment in your future. And if you can swing it, you're making an investment in the future of your career. If you Absolutely. can swing the childcare, but, but yeah. for some, it's a decision to leave and some t- uh, for the moment. And then what happens? Yeah. I mean, I think what, what we find is that there's a few things that happen. One is, um, in, in many cases, confidence takes a big hit. And the data that we cite really shows that it, it after in less than a year, um, you know, women who were highly experienced, highly educated, um, start to feel like they just don't have what it takes to either compete with the talent that's out there or that they're ever going to be able to um, find a job again. I mean, I can't tell right. you previous investment bankers we talked to who feel that way after just a short period of time. Um, and the truth of the matter is that um, it, it's not true, right? Their skills are still there. And so we spend time helping um, help, helping people, remi- helping remind people yeah. um, of the the skill set that they do have and, and the value that they bring to the table. But the other thing that we find is that whether you call it bias, um, whether you call it um, distrust, whatever it is, um, you know, there's, I like to call it a lack of respect for the caregiving years, um, which we do see in corporate America. And so while I do believe that most people feel like, you know, if you, if you ever, if you ever talk to someone and you say, um, I help, I run a company that helps return moms to the workforce. Every, there's nobody who ever says that's a terrible idea. Um, <laughs> everybody always says, Oh, that's an amazing yep. um, thing to be doing. There's so much great talent sitting on the sidelines and it's fantastic to want to move them back into the workforce. But then you start getting into companies and, you know, it it becomes whether they're actually going to make the hire. So we find that even some companies that we've talked to want to do this, but then they can't quite get the buy-in from the hiring managers because Mm. hiring managers are are moving at a rapid clip maybe and thinking about different things. Um, And and people with career gaps essentially on their resume um, can be overlooked. And right. so, you know, one of the things that we do on our site is we really make the commitment with the companies that come on that they're accepting resumes that have career gaps and mm-hmm. and looking at them, that it's not just lip service. Right. Right. Because it's, it's, you know, I, we know that these women, you know, that, that they have education, they have skills, and and I'm sure there are certain, let's admit that sometimes the skills, you know, start need to evolve. You know, maybe if you were, you've been out for five years, something's changed in your field. Fine. Go out and learn it. So they've got skills. They've got a proven work record. They're, these are going to be the, some of your most grateful employees right. <laughs> that you could well, they ever have. have. New skills, right. They have new skills. Yeah, that they've that they've gained from from doing other things, and often a break allows your brain a chance to refresh. <gasps> yes, that in our twenty four seven world, 
Um, one of the things I'm thinking about right now, um, you know, some of the, I would say, bias sometimes that we run up against is, oh, well, if you're helping moms get back to work, don't they just want to work flexibly? Don't they just want to right. work more time? And, you know, that's not always, first of all, that's, you can't make a blanket statement. Right. Not everybody wants to work part-time or flexibly, and many people can't afford to and need yeah. to work full-time. And, um, you know, we're really clear on the job listings about what is what is part-time, what is full-time, et cetera, sure. et cetera. But I, I'm thinking in this coronavirus, COVID-19, which none of us could have predicted, um, you know, I, I'm my, I'm hopeful that one of the silver linings that comes out of this is that there's no bias against flexible work going right. forward. <laughs> uh, we will all be very well schooled in how to work. Remotely. And the smart companies are the ones who figured out how to do it as fast as humanly possible for an exactly. entire distributed workforce. Yeah. And now, and if they can keep the work going because they're so smart, then it worked. It's just a tool, people. It's just a tool. Exactly. Yeah. No, I just hope that we can just check this one off the list. Right. As a worry bead, you know? Right. Yeah. And then we can get to the other problems, which are issues, uh, well, the gap, you know, it, and even putting questions of gender and age or anything aside, gaps in your resume are, are really hard. They, you, they see it in men, like after the Great Recession, People who who had any sort of gap, it was harder for them to get hired into jobs. So, yeah. so on that point alone, I would think that's part of learning how to talk about your gap. You know, mm-hmm. um, Mika Brzezinski always talks about that. You know, how to talk about yourself and mm-hmm. and know your value and explain yeah, your yeah. value. So, yeah. I'm sus- I'm suspecting that that's a big thing for operate too. Is is know how to present your resume yourself. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's probably what we spend um, a large portion of time working with people on. Um, and even just, you know, casually, that's a question that I get from from people. And, you know, basically what we like to tell people is to just really own your gap and make it succinct. Um, so you don't need to you don't need to tell all of the details. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> of every moment of your gap. Um, and you can, you, you could, you may, should make it forward looking, right? So I was X for 15 years. I took three years off to be with my, to, to focus on my family. And now I'm really excited about doing X, Y, and Z in this industry. Right. And I'm just speaking really vaguely. Yeah. There. Um, but really to spin it forward um, so that you're not caught. The worst, first, my worst interviews ever are the ones where they ask something and I, I am immediately like defensive for some, for anything, like a piece yeah. of jargon I don't know, or, you know, right. something, you know, I, I have, I have a story for everything, but, uh, yeah, when you are when you get put into defensive mode, you're always weaker. You want to yeah. be, yep, it, it, yeah, there it is. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, and you want to feel settled. Um, you want to feel settled in. You want to feel settled in the choice that you made, and yep. um, and then the choice that you're making going forward. Um, 
And you want to be able to, to have that kind of that confidence sort of exude off of it. And, you know, I think one of the things that I, that always bothers me is that people have been made to feel like that gap shouldn't. Oh, from the get go. Right. There's right. That's why, that's why it makes them nervous. Um, and they'd rather just not mention it or talk about it at all. And, you know, I think we need, we as a society sort of need to fast forward where when you say those words, everybody just sort of goes, oh, that's great. As opposed to um, putting you in a position of making you feel like right. you should be nervous about it because you shouldn't. Because it, it's, it's, it's a corollary to the whole, uh, the, the, the motherhood gap, you know, when you, you know, women have a baby, working women have a baby and somehow they're less, uh, you know, committed to their careers. Men have a baby and they get a raise. So, you know, like, and so now you add that weirdness and you tie it to someone who then, for whatever reason, uh, stepped away and then comes back and it's like the motherhood gap exponential, you know, now you get to hit it from all sides. Yeah. You're, I'm you're, mad. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. Well, and there's so many other, um, you know, pieces of where that sort of lack of caregiving um, bleeds into the workplace. And it, you know, it starts with um, very little access to paid leave. Yeah. It extends from there to, um, you know, maybe largely no access to any kind of affordable childcare, whether it's yep. childcare credits or FSAs or what have you. Um, and then it moves into the flexible work arena and whether there's access there. Um, and then, you know, we sort of, sort of come on the end of that of if you've taken a career break, then trying to get back in. And so it's like right point along the way, there's a challenge um, and it's all centralized around this concept of, of caregiving for somebody else. And it doesn't mm. always have to be for a child, right? Right. Something like 12% of um, working Americans are, they're caregiving for children and they're caregiving for an adult, um, meaning a parent, but it could also be a sibling. A partner. Yeah. Exactly. We have people who come to us um, who always say, "I've been I've been out of the workforce caregiving for a sibling, um, and I don't I don't have children. Am I eligible for your site?" And I'm like, "Well, first of all, the site's completely open <laughs> to." <Yeah. laughs> um, we just happen to talk a lot about motherhood, but yes, I mean, you the caregiving, um, you know, yeah. uh, caregiving doesn't know any boundaries. I guess is the best way, right? To say. It's, it, that's, that's for sure. And that all of the talk that we talk about paid leave and paid sick days, especially now in our pandemic era, it yeah. all has to be non-gendered, you know, yeah. and it's though, though, uh, Raquel and I had a good conversation around, there's a, uh, Atlantic piece talking about, uh, that this is going to be terrible for feminism. That's the, the scary headline, but talking about how, caregiving lands on women much harder and that we should be thinking about these policies on how they impact women harder, mm-hmm. you know, for, for doing the first shift, second shift and the third shift of your mental load of all the planning and preparing and anticipating that goes into running your family. 
No, it's very I, hard for me to wrap my head around non-gendered policies. <laughs> I know. I have a piece on uh, LinkedIn right now that I posted about seven ways that companies can help working moms right now. And the lead, I, I talk a lot about just the data around, um, you know, historically how much more work women do around the household. And I had this paragraph in there about how it was going to set us back, you know. Yeah. A, I mean, I, I was, all this progress and work that we've been making is, and, and I took it out because I didn't want to depress people. <laughs> There's already so much depressing things happening right now. I'm going to take that part out. But I, I hear, I haven't read that Atlantic article, but I hear what they're saying. But, yeah. You're thinking about the same topic too. Wow. So, yeah. yeah. Well, so on, but on a much happier note, <laughs> Tell me more about your turn and kind of the guide that you're doing with with working moms, because this will end. We will get back to normal and we will need to get hired. So you're right. You're right. Well, so Jennifer Gefsky, who who was one of the co-founders of Apre, um, which Apre helps, you know, recruit, retain, return working well, women talent to the workforce, um, largely mothers, but um, they were co-founded by Jennifer Gefsky and Nicole Kroll. And then um, I came together with them in 2017. And after running the business for a couple of years together, um, Jen and I decided to publish a book um, called Your Turn, Careers, Kids and Comebacks, A Working Mother's Guide. And the 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 purpose there was really um, to take all of the learnings that we have have found from running these sites for women. And so, learnings that we've we've come through, come to from talking to thousands and thousands of yeah. women in these stages, and learning from them that um, while we often feel really alone in the choices making or the challenges that we're facing at work that while your experience will be unique to you, um, there are a lot of common patterns that we all share and that there are tools and solutions that can be helpful. And then we also, on the flip side, you know, have had the privilege of working with companies that are looking to hire this talent and sort of have um, some of what their best practices and things that they're oh, looking for in their yeah. mind. So what we took was all of that and put it together in a book. And the first half of the book <clears throat> is really meant for women who um, may just be starting out in their career. It's It can be for anybody um, who is just looking to make a career decision, but mm-hmm. it really is so powerful in how it walks you through how to make those decisions, whether it's to stay and work full time, whether it's to take a complete career break and be really clear about why you've done that, or whether it's to go part time or work freelance and what that's going to look like and what some of the trade offs are. And then the second half of the book is really geared towards someone who has stepped out of the workforce and is looking for help to get back in. That is great. Because I think as as someone who was always the advocate for staying in, you know, that was my magazine, that was my website. 
But that said, if you are going to leave the workforce for a bit, do it purposefully, you know, and A, embrace it. Everyone's always happier if you embrace where you are in your life and you don't, you know, much like we were talking about with the gap, like this is what I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it. But also to have a general plan on how you're going to keep keep your skills going when you think you're going to come back. And I, I like this for because with your book, it, you can start it and then you can look forward. And, and like, what do you need to have in place when the time is right for you to come back? Exactly. You're coming back. We're all coming back. We all have to work. We're all breadwinners. <laughs> it, it's so true. And I think that, you know, for some people, it happens really quickly. Um, yeah. And for others, it takes a longer time. And, but if you have in your head um, what some of those components and pieces are that will make that path back. Um, easier or, yeah. or, or more fluid, however you want to say that. Um, I think it's just, it's really valuable insight. And we had such a lot, we had so much fun um, writing it. We worked with Kathleen Harris, who you may know as well. Um, yeah. We had the pleasure of talking to lots of new women and going back and revisiting a lot of women that we'd interviewed through the years. And um so it's 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 a really friendly book. Um, I think that's been one of my favorite parts about the feedback is that sometimes guidebooks can feel really dry. Yes, <laughs> and that the that this is really it's like a good friend sort of holding your hand. Oh, that's great! I love it. Yeah. Well, great. Well, thank you for joining us today on the Breadwinners. Uh, for our listeners, if there are chance or choice breadwinners, we hope you enjoyed the time you spent with us and that you'll share your own story at thebreadwinnerspodcast.com. How are you making it work? How are you getting back to work? We'd love to know. And please remember to subscribe to our podcast and to rate and review it. Let us know what you think about the breadwinners. Help us tell the stories that mean the most to you. And until next week, keep hustling. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.